0: what's up everybody can we put our hands together honor jesus together come on it's been a good day together I know it's already been said, but welcome to Cultivate Church. We're so glad that you're here. Welcome to all of you watching by the internet as well. Look, it's been said, but you passed some great churches to be here, and it is a big deal. Any time that you spend your morning with us here at Cultivate Church, you also heard it. Look, there are so many things happening around here. Make sure you download the app for your phone. That is the best way to stay connected to everything that's happening around here, so you can stay up to date on what's going on. You can check out uh, past messages if you've missed, and you can even. Catch Catch up on um, things that are coming up so you know always what to anticipate. It's scheduled on there all the way through like December of everything that's happening. So it's months ahead of even what you hear and hear. And even today, you can get your message notes from the app. So if you're a digital note taker, that's on the app as well. But for the rest of you, go ahead and grab your uh, note sheet out of your worship guide for today's message. We are beginning a brand new series today I'm excited about called Satisfied. And uh, the idea of this series is to put us in a place. Of thinking, of feeling, and decision making that God would have us to be. This is a stewardship. Series. Uh, culture puts us in a position where we all think we have to have a certain amount of things, the right things with the right logos and the right labels. We have to achieve all of the right things, drive the right things, live in the right places in order to be satisfied. It's October. How many of you know the holidays are coming? If you've been to the stores, you've seen pumpkins wearing Santa hats because they're having to mix the holidays together. We have Halloween trees in order to try to mix all of the holidays together because it's here and that means it's game time and some of you who have kids or grandkids they're already presenting all the list and reasons of why they've been good and why Santa should bring everything that they need to bring because we have this drive in culture that says you will only be satisfied if you get if you do the right thing look the right way all the things that culture is pushing us to but why is it That when you find yourself in this rhythm of culture, that at the end of it all, you still feel dissatisfied. At the end of it all, no matter what you have, Amazon drop off at your door. Anybody Amazon people? Come on, it'll be here tomorrow. And you sit and you wait. And if it says FedEx is bringing it, you're depressed. Because you know... They don't know what happened to it. I'm sorry if you work for FedEx, but we'll talk. We're gonna pray because we gotta do something about you guys. I want you to be here in a few years. So you sit and you wait, and the box arrives, and you open up the box, and you go, "Here it is," and you put it down, and then you're deflated. You're still dissatisfied. It did not sustain that desire of satisfaction in your life. Uh, in the '60s, uh, the Rolling Stones said it this way: "Can't get no." Satisfaction. I can't get no that's the best I got. All right, there we go. Don't want to spoil you guys. I just I labeled your message today. Our title is Can't Get No Satisfaction. Throughout this series, we want to learn what it means to live in godly satisfaction. We want to learn the secret of contentment. Not in giving up, not in Uh, not having a drive to do or to achieve or to go after it, but the desire to do it God's way. The desire to live in this culture, in this world, but not to be of this world. In other words, I don't want you to get to the end of your day, the end of your year, the end of your life, and look back and be so dissatisfied because you were living it in the rhythms of life as we know it here. But what if we just connected to God's rhythms and God's ways as the way he would have us do it for there? It would change everything. I gave you a verse of Scripture today at the top of your outline, John chapter 4. It's a very famous story in the Bible. If you've been around church probably any length of time, you've probably heard this. It's called uh, the woman at the well. you heard that story where Jesus meets a woman literally at a physical well. They're drawing water. They have both showed up to this physical well to draw water because that's what sustains life. How many of you ever get thirsty? Some of you go, man, my body... I heard somebody the other day, and I just had to be quiet because they said, I am so thirsty. My body's just dehydrated. I need a Coke. And that's what... (laughs) And they did it's a true story and they went and 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 got a coke and I just went you know what not your not your not your place, man. Just back. Just let them have that Coke. I thought, that's not the way it works. But, but anyway, you, your body says you, you got to have something. So Jesus is at this well to find something that would quench the thirst. This woman is at the well in order to find something that would quench the thirst, that would satisfy the desire of the body. And Jesus has this unique conversation with this woman about this water that's really deeper than any conversation about natural water. It kind of reminds me, if I'm honest about it, I won't be disrespectful, it sounds like Jesus is talking sometimes, ladies, the way you talk. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes ladies say things like, I'm going to say this, but you should really know what I really mean, right? <laughs> That's kind of how Jesus approaches this conversation. He does. Let me show it to you. Jesus replies to this woman talking about this water, and he says, Anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It's kind of confusing, right? You're sitting there like, Jesus, I don't know what kind of water you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just need this, nothing weird, okay? I just need to get my water and go. She's a stranger. She doesn't know that she's talking to the Son of God. But in that moment, Jesus is speaking some words that can absolutely, totally, radically change her life. And what Jesus is saying, the principle of this statement is, is that you're looking for something that will satisfy you. But I can promise you, no matter how many times you pull and drink from this well, no matter how cold it is, no matter how good it is, no matter how much it quenched your thirst, you will still be left thirsty when it is all said and done. But Jesus says, but what I can do for you and what I can give for you will satisfy so that you will never thirst again. We find ourselves in this culture, we're thirsty And we're looking and we're desiring and we're wanting. But Jesus wants us to know that what he wants to do for us and when we do it his way, we will never thirst again. So this month, we're going to take a journey together to discover what it means to be satisfied and how to live a satisfied life through Christ. It'll change the peace of mind you have, the sleep that you get, the way you wake up in the morning and the way that you approach your day because there's nothing like doing it His way. So let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all my friends in this room, all my friends watching online. I just pray that today, right now in this moment, you change our way of thinking. You change the way we see the world, the way we experience our existence on this planet. God, help us to be in the world, but not of the world. We want to do it your way. We want to experience a life on purpose that only you can bring. So Father, today, help us. God, to change the way we view it all so we can see it and do it your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give you three reasons, primary reasons, foundational reasons today that I would say that most of us, after everything we do, we still find ourselves living in discontentment. Number one, it's because of your ambition your ambition. Now, there's nothing wrong with having ambition in your life. If you don't have a little ambition, you need to get out of the basement, cut the games off, and get out there and do something, okay? That's just the way we ought to roll. We ought to get out there, and we ought to get after it, okay? We're here on this planet for a short period of time, and you're here for a purpose, and you're here for a reason. God has given you breath in your body so that you can do something meaningful. And it's not what culture says is meaningful. It's not what dissatisfies, but when you do it God's way, you'll find satisfaction in your ambition. The Bible says this. I love Ecclesiastes. It says, Then I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Underline that word, the neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. I love Ecclesiastes. You can read Ecclesiastes and it can tell you something so profound and then go, yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's cool. It does meaningless. We're all going to die anyway. I mean, I just love the perspective of Ecclesiastes. Here's what he's saying Most of us find that our desire for success. Our desire for achieving, our ambition, what pushes you, what motivates you, what gets you up in the morning is rarely about the things that really matter. Most of us when we get up in the morning, it's not, okay, God, thank you for this moment and this day. May I live my life on purpose. And when I get to the workplace with all those crazy people, God, that you give me the vision and the reason of why I'm in this room so that I can accomplish everything you've desired for me to accomplish. And God, when I'm in traffic and those, those you know, you got to watch your language. You know, those people are beside me and I really want to do something or say something. God, give me the grace, Why am I by that weirdo in traffic today? You know what I'm saying? Like, God, why have you placed me in all the circumstances you've placed me? But instead, we wake up today, and we're already thinking about everything we are dissatisfied in. Because the things that we're looking for and we're wanting out of the experience is completely different than the reason God put us here to begin with. Because everything we're thinking of in our ambition is about what makes us happy and what brings us a temporary moment of joy and appreciation rather than what God has put us on this planet for. We may say, well, I'm not real concerned about my neighbors. I don't fall into that category. But you know, as soon as you get on the TikTok and the Instagram and you get on the Facebook and the YouTube and all the stuff and you start looking at what everybody else has done, you go, oh, I didn't know that job paid that good. And no, they kinda of, I know they made that kind of money doing that right there, right? Wow, I, I didn't know I didn't know she looked like that. I didn't I did she did she what happened? Did she did she have a procedure? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like we start looking and you know you shouldn't be thinking it. But because your ambition is for something that you see. You see, culture puts everything in front of us and serves that as if that's what your meal should be every single day. Culture takes it all, puts it on this silver platter, and slides it over to you. That's why we make dumb decisions. That's why even though you're married, your ambition will drive you to a relationship that you should not be in because your ambition is pushing you to something different. That's why, we will, that's why we will bend and break on our integrity and our character to get ahead and to get the money and to get the, 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 the desires of our heart, of the things that we can acquire. Why? Because our ambition will push us to make decisions that don't line up with the character you have. And suddenly you go, well, nobody will really know. Nobody will see it. If I just carry the one, you know what I'm saying, drop the zero, and then we can. It, nobody will catch it. And then suddenly you realize six months down the road, wow, that, that showed back up. I, I, didn't, I didn't set out to do something illegal. I didn't set out to put myself in this position. I didn't set out to put my family in jeopardy. I didn't set out to put myself in a position where they may come take our home and they may come take everything we own because I just wanted to do what was best. Sometimes we get to the end of it and we realize, wow, my mission was, <laughs> was kind of out of, out of out of alignment here. Things weren't really the way they should have been all because of the decisions that I was making. Today I want to ask you this question, and I think you ought to ask yourself this in your quiet time, your prayer time this week, is what is motivating you? What is the ambition of your life? When you get up in the morning, what drives you for that day? What really is on your mind when you do everything that you do and make the decisions that you make? Some of us wake up and we think, i got to do this because I'm going to make this much money and i got to do this just so that I can, get the, I can get the raise or I can get the promotion or, or i got to do this so that I can make sure that this happens for me. When you ought to just wake up and go, hey, God, it's your world. I'm just living in it. And, God, you take me through it, and you use me to do what you want me to do. My ambition should be to please the Lord. What is your ambition? Number two, here's what leaves us in dissatisfaction, is your appearance. Oh, we're so worried about our appearance. You don't think you are but you are worried about that appearance. Here's what the Bible says. It says, beware. Watch out. Hey, take notice. Mark it down. Watch your actions. Guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by what you acquire. Your worth and your value is not measured by the labels and by the logos. Your life... Your measure is not by your status and by what's before your name or after your name or the platform that you stand on or the people that you run with. That's not where the value of life comes from. However, culture will program you to think that if you're not in the right circles or the right people wearing the right stuff and driving the right things and living in the right place, then you don't have the same value as other people. So when that's what culture pushes us to, many of us sitting around just feel less than because we haven't achieved everything that we see everybody else achieving. It's our appearance. We want to look the right way. Have you ever heard the statement, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Never met the Joneses, but I would like to. They must have been, been balling. You know what I'm saying? We've been saying this for decades, keeping up with the Joneses. Like, who were they? Like, we're not saying, like, you know, keeping up with the Trumps. You know what I'm saying? Like the rich people. Not the President Trump, but, you know, the previous just because he was rich thing. We don't get politics in there. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the Joneses. I mean, they must have been really loaded. So everybody for decades been trying to keep up with, look like, and run with the Joneses. And you don't think that it matters. But look, you, you pull up in, in a parking lot. And, and you look like you've been mud riding in the minivan. And everybody else's cars are sparkling and shining. Suddenly you're like, oh, I'm, I, I should have I at least took this to the car wash. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or you drop your kids off at school. And you know you just had one of them mornings. And you didn't know your kid hit a growth spurt overnight. And he looks like he, they were wearing some booty shorts. You know what I'm saying? And you think it'll be fine. Nobody will notice they're all kids. But then you get to the school and they all look like they just come out of like GQ magazine or something. Like what happened today? I didn't know this was like get it together today. But you know your kid's running around and suddenly you're worried about it. You think, oh, everybody's going to think I'm a bad parent. Or DHR's going to be at my house today because they're wearing them tiny shorts. You know what I'm saying? We worry about stuff that we shouldn't worry about. Because it's naturally built into our sinful selves. They did a study that they gave people a hundred different songs to listen to and pick from. They said, make a top ten list of your favorite songs. So these people are listening to these songs and they're writing down their favorites. They're making these private lists. And then they hook machines to their brains, right? And then they get them all together to have a conversation and tell each other what their favorite songs were that they picked. And what they found is that individuals who picked the same songs and someone approved of their pick, their brain started lighting up. The activity started taking off. Suddenly their self worth began to increase. Suddenly their confidence level began to increase. Why? Because you agreed with me. You approved of my decisions and what I liked. That's why some of you will dress ridiculous because somebody on Instagram did it, and so that's what we do. I'm just saying. We had, this gross, we had this season, you know what I'm saying? We're like, we had men wearing like half jeans. What was them called? Like shirts, shirt, shorts? Come on, guys. We know better than that. But your wife saw it. She told you to wear it. And suddenly, you're like, I don't know, man. That's what my wife told me to wear. Just because somebody out there in fashion land decided this is what's in this season. And suddenly we started looking like yo-yos walking around because somebody said it was in, because we worry about our appearance. Now, we may like to say that we don't, but nobody wants to be the odd man out. Let me tell you the danger. That's why you'll sit in culture when culture loses its absolute mind and talks absolute nonsense and begins to adopt things that make no logical sense from the beginning of time until suddenly we go in 2022, oh, we figured it out. And we start rewriting everything, and you can sit in the middle of that, and suddenly when one says it, when you go, oh, my brain, I feel better when I just flow with everybody else. And that's how we shape culture. That's how we wake up one day and go, how did we get here? How did my life get this way? How did our world get this way? Because we're worried about flowing with what everybody else thinks, we're worried about our appearance. Number three, write this one down. here's to leave you dissatisfied. is' your appetite. And this is a big one: your appetite. We all got an appetite. Listen to this, see if this kind of resonates with you. The Bible says you've planted much, but you've harvested little. In other words, you've worked really hard. You've put in the hours. You've done the extra work, you've went the extra mile, you tried to impress the boss but yet you harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Now somebody said, man, I didn't know the Bible was so relevant. It is real. (laughs) One pastor says it this way, that your, your yearnings are greater than your earnings. I want so much that I can't even afford. And we've already spent the money that we don't even have yet. And we do it with a desire that it would bring us satisfaction. You see, things that you'll go out and you'll work to death over to get, only to find that it didn't satisfy at all, that you forgot about it, that it broke, that it never was really worth it to begin with. We work so hard doing all the things that we know to do, but yet we harvest little. So I want to challenge you today. What is it? that your appetite's after? Why are you working as hard as you work? Why are you sacrificing your family? Why are you sacrificing your time with the Lord? Why are you sacrificing your life away to get something that's not going to last to begin with? What are you hungry for? I want you to write that question down on, on your outline, just on your notes to ask yourself this week. What am I hungry for? What is it that I'm desiring out of my life? What's my appetite? One of the prayers that I've prayed so much is that God would help me in this area of my life. Because all of us have an appetite for something. I mean, every one of us, you, you got something you're into. Uh, I, mine, you know, some of you watch um, those sporting event things. What are those sport, sport, like the ball things, you know, where you throw a ball and hit it with a stick or something. Like, y'all watch that kind of stuff. Uh, somebody messaged me yesterday and said, hey, there's a football game on. I said, sweet, then I can go to the stores. Like, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. I mean, I mean, come on, guys. Football, like, you catch it. You fall down, you take 15 minutes to stand back up. Like the whole game, the whole game should be played in like an hour. It takes four hours to play it. I ain't got time for that. Let's speed it up. Let's throw out some of them rules. Let's hit some, I mean, if we're going to do it, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Then I'll be in. But I like technology like you guys like football. Like I keep up with like, oh man, we got, we got chipset coming out. Like, you know, it's just weird stuff. And, and I follow that and I love it. But you know what I realized? Over time as I've asked God to help me with some of these things, here's what I've realized. The same thing that you got last year is the same thing you got this year. That new iPhone that's about to hit, listen, it's the same iPhone that was in the thing last year. They just put a new presentation to it, a piece of software to obstruct your view at the top. That's all they did, okay? But we're like, oh, man, if I don't get that new one, The pictures that I take of my kids, they're going to be awful. I won't even be able to look at those in the past. Come on, you're still looking at stuff you took on your flip phone back in 19. You know what I'm saying? Because somebody said that was good. You know what I mean? So we've got this thirst for more. And here's what I've realized. It just doesn't matter. It it doesn't last. My my appetite has to change. My appetite has to put me in a place where I'm healthy and not unhealthy. You know where our appetites have got us? Do you know in the state of Alabama, the average credit card debt is $6,000? $6,000. $6,000. The average interest rate is nearly 22%. You know what that means? You'll never pay it back. You know what it means? That the, that the borrower is slave to the lender. That's a Bible verse, by the way. It means that you'll never and, and here's the thing. Here's what's dangerous about it. In the $6,000 that we spent on that credit card, you don't even know what you spent it on. You have no idea. If you had to go back and take inventory, you would have no idea where it is. All you know is, is that every month you're paying the minimum on something to try to catch up. Why? Because it's our appetite that God is there. It's the appetite. It's the drive. And that's the life that we're living, church. That's the average everyday American living life and upset because they're not getting out what they're putting in. And so at Cultivate Church, we say, we desire to live life on purpose. We're going to do it differently. We're going to do it God's way. So how do we live a satisfied life? Good question. Flip your outline over. I'm going to talk to you about contentment. We're going to take this journey all month long, but I want to give you some very basics today, some foundations. Number one, we talked about our ambition. Your ambition needs an alignment. Write down the word alignment. If you're going to get a hold of the ambition, the drive and the motivation of your life, you need an alignment. The Bible says, turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain." Selfish ambition is based on my sinful desires within myself. But when I have an alignment and it turns my heart, my vision, my desire toward the things of God, then I begin to see things differently. Then I begin to feel things differently. Then my desires begin to change. Some of us are spending so much time chasing our own stuff. We've we've got our hustle on. And look, there's nothing wrong with having a hustle, right? Everybody needs to hustle. The Bible says you don't work, you don't Eat. That's somebody didn't know that. Like uh, that's Bible too. So okay, that's how God flows. Okay, I need a good job. You don't work. You don't eat. You need a hustle. But what keeps your hustle in check is having humility in your hustle. Everybody needs a little humility in your hustle. You know what that does? It says, you know what? I'm going to lower myself, and I'm going to recognize that every good thing comes from God, and every opportunity was given by God. And so everything that I have been given to steward means it needs to honor God. So all of my money, all of my time, all of my energy, everything God has blessed me with needs to go back and be honoring to the Lord. We spend a lot of time thinking about our glory, what we achieve, what we accomplish, what is on Our name, what is on our shelves, what we can say that we have accomplished. But look, you'll know if your ambition aligns with God when all of your glory is given for his glory. When you say, it's not about me, but it's about him. When everybody that looks at your life and goes, wow, how in the world did you do that? And you go, you know what? It would never happen by the grace of God. He has blessed me. He's taken care of me. He has been with me. He has protected me. When God gets the glory from the glory of your life, you know that your ambition is on the right track. You need to know that everything that you do is pushing toward honoring the Lord. Listen, everything in this life is temporary. But everything that happens in us and through us and around us that gives glory to God lasts for eternity. So I need to ask yourself and let you just go in this week, hey, what areas of my life needs an alignment? What am I so focused on obtaining for myself because it's my goal or it's my desire? You know what? You may not be achieving or obtaining your goal because it was never God's goal. And God's protecting you from achieving something or obtaining something that he never intended for you to have. But if you just step back and say, God, align my heart, align my life and my decisions and my focus with you, then you watch what God begins to do with the hustle of your life. Number two, you need a makeover. And I ain't talking about that. Don't get offended with me. We talked about our appearance. We're about keeping up with the Joneses, what everybody thinks. Well, that desire for our appearance needs a makeover. The Bible says, Whoever, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taking away. In other words, when I say yes to Jesus, it's like the blinders of my eyes have been lifted, and I can suddenly see. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Underline it. Freedom. Some of us need some freedom from some of the stuff of desiring, of looking like everybody and running with and being like everybody else. So all of us who have had that veil removed, we can see and look, reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. In other words, when we have an alignment And when God makes over our lives, suddenly we begin to see it the way he sees it, and we begin to do it the way he wants us to do it. The problem is most of us get our worth. We get our value. We see ourselves from the reflection of the world. Everything in front of us, we're comparing ourselves by what we see out in the world. That's nothing more than a circus mirror. You ever stood in a circus mirror? Go to Chewy's over on 280. I love it. And they got them little circus mirrors when you walk in the lobby. And I can't stand in front of one of them because, uh, y'all, listen, somebody, I'll get in the lobby and somebody go, oh, you looked a lot taller on that platform. I'm like, oh, it's good to meet you too. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's like it's good. I, I'm settled in. I'm 5'8", all right? That's standard. I put my, I put my height in on, on an app thing the other day. You know where it started? 5'8". You know why? Because that's standard, y'all. Anything above or below, a little freakish. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, The Bible says that I'm made in the image of God. So, therefore, I personally think God's about 5'8". That's the way I see it. But if I hit that little circus mirror at Chewy's, it shrinks me down even more. Okay? I get a big head, little body, little arms, and I'm like, I can't do it because it just hits my self-esteem. So, I step in the other one. You know what it does? Stretches me out a little bit. Makes me a little taller. Still a little wonky, but I'm like, I can kind of do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this this is what it would be like. The problem is when your comparison comes from the world, every view you get is distorted. You'll look in one over here, one over here, and one over there, and you will get a distorted view of yourself every single time. But when you get this makeover and you see yourself the way God created it, intended for to you to be, listen to what you'll do. You'll go, you know what? This isn't so bad. God's put me here for a reason. Every gifting I got is on purpose. Every experience I've had, it's on purpose. It's for a reason. I'm not less than. God has equipped me with everything he wants me to have, and he's put purpose in my life, and I don't care what I have or don't have or what the world thinks or don't think. I'm going to walk this out and reflect the glory of the Lord. No longer is the glory mine. No longer is this life about me. But it's about reflecting the glory of who God is. Your appearance and the worry of keeping up with the Joneses. You need a makeover. It'll bring satisfaction to your life. The third thing, hang with me. Don't get upset. You need a diet. (laughs) This is how things, this is how rumors get started. Somebody leave out of the pastor, we all need to go on a diet. You know what I'm saying? We talked about our appetite, about our desires for things to have and to get. That, needs an ap- that, that appetite needs a, it needs a diet. The Bible says this, and this is, this, is, this is incredible. True godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. About 10 years ago, I asked the Lord to really help me to really help me live a content life. I said, God, I, I, I want to I be content with, with everything that you give me. And it started because, if I'm honest with you, it started when we planted our church and everything that I had dreamed and believed that God said that we were going to do. And I had a great plan for God. I had written it down, and I had it on paper, and um, he was stubborn about it. He didn't, he didn't do it the way I thought he should do it. And, um, and it made me feel bad. It did. You know, I said, God, you're doing this wrong. You know, if you, you get over here with my plan, it'll, it'll go better. But I've reached a place where I just said, for my health and my sanity, God, you got to help me just be content. you got to help me learn satisfaction. Because, I, because I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Whatever you desire is my desire. And can I tell you of the things that God has done for me over 10 years of the attitude of my life, has been that God has given me godliness with contentment. Therefore, you're looking at the wealthiest man on the planet today. I'm not worried about what I don't have, because you know what happens at the end of the day? My six-year-old, and some days he may touch that last nerve. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But there's not a day that goes by that I don't thank God for a six-year-old that's mine that touches my last nerve. There's not a day that goes by that I don't look at my wife and thank God for how faithful she is and how true she is and how who you see is exactly who she is and that she loves me and that she's faithful. There's not a day that goes by that I don't appreciate God for that. See, I've stopped going, but God, this is what it should be and this is what we ought to have and this is how far we ought to be and this is what I, and I just said, God, you know what? I wouldn't trade my life right here today with any millionaire or billionaire on this planet. You know why? Because they're still not satisfied. Somebody once said money can't buy happiness. Well, they lied. Because it will for a moment. But it won't last. True satisfaction only comes from the Lord. So today, my desire for all of us is to live the attitude of true godliness with contentment that brings us great wealth. All of us in this room are wealthy people. We've forgotten it. We've let our problems supersede the presence of God. We've let our problems become bigger than God's power. Therefore, we've believed the lie that we're less than, that we don't have, and it's left us desiring something. But let me just tell you something today. Satisfaction, living it out God's way with life on purpose, will change your life forever. And I'm encouraging us this month to lean into this because we're going to take this journey together to learn what it means to live a satisfied life. But I want to pray for us today. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes. If you're watching online, just right where you are, if you could just take a moment to eliminate distractions, I want to pray for us two things that I believe will begin this journey to change your life to living a life of satisfaction is number one if you don't have a relationship with Jesus let me just tell you that's that's the starting point that's where you need to be today it's not a get rich quick it don't change everything just overnight but let me tell you you've never experienced life on purpose like a life with Jesus and I want to pray for you that today if that's the decision you need to make that today you'd be able to make that decision. And then I want to pray for the rest of us because I believe that somewhere as God was speaking to you, the Holy Spirit was working in your life today, that maybe He just nudged you in an area that you know that you really need God's grace and help in. There's something that maybe God just whispered in your ear and said, hey, you've been feeling that way. Hey, that's been... It's been eating at you. You've been making decisions driven by this. And today he wanted you to know that that's not where your satisfaction lies. That's why you feel discontentment. And that's why you feel emptiness. So I'm asking us today to whatever that is, that maybe collectively we just surrender that to the Lord and give God room to begin working in your life. That over the next few weeks together, God helps us learn how to live a life of satisfaction. So Father, today, thank you for being in this moment with us. Thank you for your word. I pray for any person in this room, watching online, listening by podcast, that in this moment if we need a relationship with you, we just say, Jesus, forgive us of our sins. We commit our life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for wanting and desiring a relationship with me. Today I receive it. I commit my life to you. And God, I pray for all of us that may be carrying something that needs to be laid at your feet something that is driving us, motivating us. Maybe we need a makeover. Maybe we need a diet. God, whatever it is that we need today to align our lives with yours, God, help us to submit ourselves to you. Thank you for helping us to live life on purpose, to love you, to live for you, and to be more like you so that ultimately our lives reflect your glory, who you are in us and through us, so we make a difference around us. Jesus, thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.